Welcome to another edition of the Food Systems Podcast, brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. My name is Mark Titrington, and for the next 30 minutes, I shall be your host. And today we are joined by Monica Andres Enriquez, um, Executive Vice President for Europe from Yara. Um, very much looking forward to talking to you, Monica. We, we happen to come together uh, in the week in which uh, the Forum has just published its first perceptions and an insights report on developing and scaling regenerative agriculture, a very um, uh, timely opportunity to, to talk to you. Monica, I'd like to just start by asking you one of the questions that, that came up um, consistently in the inquiry um, that we've conducted over the last 12 months that sits behind that report. What is regenerative agriculture? What, what does it mean to you and, and to Yara? Hi, hello, Mark. Uh, thank you very much for reaching out and inviting Yara to share our views about regenerative agriculture. Yes, in Yara, we see regenerative farming as one of the solutions to transform our food system and grow a nature-positive food future. That, by the way, this is our company's uh, ambition. We worked along the following definition. Regenerative agriculture must focus on the outcomes, and it is about implementing the best sustainable farming practices that positively affect nature and climate. When we talk about outcomes, we refer to have a holistic approach, focusing these five main areas that are greenhouse gas emissions of rising concern, as you know, biodiversity, soil, resource use, and farmers' livelihoods as well. Because we have seen from recent discussions at a European level that the concept is being more broadly and less prescriptive compared with other related concepts, such as agroecology and also organic farming. And just for instance, it includes the use of modern technology and agricultural inputs for aims for a more optimized use, which we applaud because it provides more flexibility. And what we need on this, uh, we need from input providers, but also the food chain to rally behind what regenerative agriculture is about and how we can measure its impact. I believe that this is what would make the big and the, uh, and the huge difference. This is what I read from, uh, yes, by for interest, also they recently published on the form of uh, future of agriculture about the regenerative agriculture. And one of the main takeaways ways that we share as well is that, that uh, I shared with us, but also with farmers and landowners, was that there is a need to common metrics and for an agreement on the desired outcomes. So, uh, this is why we think that the collaboration is needed and why we need to collaborate with different players and partners, such as Sustainable Agriculture Initiative Platform and the OP2B, that is One Planet Business for the Biodiversity, as you know, initiative. We are both collaborating with that. So I would like to use this opportunity of today, of this conversation, Mark, to invite partners to join us in this journey because we must reach scale, otherwise we will not make any impact. And throughout this process, we, however, need to have one compass. 
regenerative agriculture can only work for farmers when the three pillars of sustainability, environment, social, and also economic are equally considered. So as I said, as you see, it's quite a broad concept. We are developing working on this, but what we like of that is that about the flexibility and that the use of the technology to measure that. That's really helpful, Monica. You, you've set that up um, extremely well. There's so many things that I want to get into you, uh, with you about, you know, benefits and progress that we might be making in terms of bringing the industry together around, you know, perhaps one compass, North Star almost, as, as you were alluding to there. Just before we get there, you, you touched on this point of measurement. Um, and, and it does seem seem to us at the forum as well that, that that's going to be key, in part because the definition is is quite loose. And one of the things that people said to us during the inquiry is, is that that creates the scope for greenwashing. So so it has to be about measurement. I, I guess you would support robust measurement of the outcomes that we're aiming at with regenerative agriculture. Yes, absolutely, Mark. Yes, uh, uh, we support that uh, harmonization of the measure and also the definition. We need to speak the same language when we refer to regenerative agriculture so that we build also the trust uh, all along the value chain, the agri-food value chain, uh, and the farmers know what to do. And then what? how are they going to be paid for? And also at the end, consumer of food, because we are in this agri-food value chain, uh, they, they uh, also have the trust on what they are uh, bringing to their homes. So for sure that we need this this harmonization of measurements, and for that we also count on on these uh, organisms and also these platforms that uh, will help us uh, to reach out this this goal, common goal. Hmm. I, I want to touch, as I said, on on the benefits piece. That that was something that, that we certainly looked at in the inquiry. You, you work with a lot of farmers, you know, both in Europe and indeed around the world. Tell me what you, you think the main benefits are um, to farmers from regenerative agriculture. But then I'd also be interested to know what, why why you'd be interested at, at, at Yarra and also why you think the rest of the value chain should benefit from regenerative agriculture. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, there are actually several benefits, as we see on regenerative agriculture that can can bring alongside. First, regenerative agriculture aims at mitigating emissions and improving crop resilience while enhancing soil fertility and preventing soil degradation. So uh, furthermore, uh, regenerative agriculture adopts an efficient use of all necessary resources required for crop growth without increasing the pressure and land use on, on biodiversity. And finally, just to, know, uh, to name uh, three of them, uh, regenerative agriculture brings prosperity to farmers. One of our goals at Yara is to help the farmers increasing the profitability of their farms. Uh, better nutrition management will increase plant health and hence the productivity. So as you see, we are very much uh, interested on, on that. And uh, you know that we are uh, producers of fertilizers who we are engaged and committed to improve the crop nutrition here in Europe. And for that, the, the main interface is soil. So with regenerative agriculture, if we can improve the soil health, and we are convinced of that, 
that will improve also all the all the features from the soil to make uh, the plants uh, the up, the uptake of nutrients by by plants easier as well and more efficient efficient that will lose that will reduce also the losing and the leakage of uh, nutrients as well. So, so that that that's the kind of the agronomic benefits, I, I suppose. Just and also for the benefit of our our listeners, why is Yara so interested in this? I mean, you know, you 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 could have business as usual, but but you you have decided that this is something that you want to go after, as have others in the downstream value chain. What? Just tell us a little bit more about your motivations. Yeah. Uh, business as usual in Yara is being farmer centric, so responding the farmers' needs. This is a first question, and that has, that has been the traditional business of Yara. Uh, the ambition of Yara is growing a nature positive food future. That this now involves the whole value chain until the production of food, and we are co- uh, committed to for climate neutrality as well. So with regenerative agriculture, we it's a means where we, we we can achieve both. So respond to farmers' needs because they will need a lot of attention and also advice uh, on how on how to apply uh, regenerative agriculture practices. But also uh, the use of new the new generation of fertilizers, the green fertilizers that are be, that will be between nine, 80 to ninety. A reduced carbon footprint. With that, we can decarbonize the the food chain. So, uh, so the these green fertilizers become, and we are about to produce in the coming weeks now. Uh, uh, green fertilizers become the game changer of the whole evolution. So, so as you see, we are very much uh, committed and engaged to these uh, regenerative agricultural practices and the adoption from by farmers and also the understanding by the whole value chain. I'm struck myself, Monica, that, that the more I, I kind of look at, at regenerative agriculture, and, and I think it, in some ways it's it's another way of describing the system change that, that we need. That there's no there's no one actor in the whole chain that can deliver this on their own. What what progress do you think that we're making towards developing and scaling regenerative agriculture? Into both in terms of the, the the farmers, the numbers of farms that are adopting it, but but also the level of collaboration between companies like yours, NGOs, mm. policymakers, to to really deliver the, what is a systematic change. Yeah, you struggle because <laughs> and you are not the only one struggling with this. The, the main three challenges, uh, to name three, that I see is the lack of short-term attractiveness for farm partners. This is first. Then the, also the risks related to the transformation that farmers are most of the time being alone. Uh, and that is uh, very unfair. And then the last is the cost of the transition. So we need to address these challenges together as main player players across the food value chain. The key is to make it attractive for farmers first, but for that we need flexibility in the approach. By that I mean that we need to leave sufficient freedom to farmers to choose solutions that work best for their own context. And for that, they need to have elements to decide, elements to decide on what is best for them. For them. 
And this com and the commitment and collaboration that you were related to, uh, it's needed for all actors, and this is crucial. It's the only way to create an environment that rewards and incentivizes farmers. We must support farmers in this transition. And it's not only about the private sector in isolation of the private company. Uh, obviously, we must engage also with farmers and stakeholders who really believe in the contribution for this regenerative agriculture. Uh, there are um, cooperations with uh, cooperatives we have with Landmanner, for sure, uh, for instance, and also uh, with the, we need the collaboration with the, from the European Commission for the Sustainable Food System Framework. So, considering proposing, so should further incentivize this kind of partnerships along the value chain. So, uh, we have one um, one um, element and one um, tool um, in, in Europe that is a carbon agriculture policy that, that in our view should focus more on sustainable farming practices. Um, but this is not the only way. It's also by promoting the use of biostimulants. And a good example from that is the, uh, Greece. It comes from Greece where they have uh, promoting this use of biostimulants in order to increase the biodiversity. That's one of the elements of the outcomes that we pursue in regenerative agriculture throughout eco-schemes. But why not to also uh, to support the, the up, uh, uptake of these regenerative agriculture harvests by, by the public sector as well? So, it, it, yeah, don't leave it just um, to the to the private ones. Yes, please. Yeah, I mean, it, we we had um we had Robert Bonney with us, um, the Under Secretary for Farm Production and Conservation last week in in Brussels, and and he was saying he he, he talked about two approaches that he that he'd been involved with personally, one from the Obama administration, and then and then now um, obviously with the Biden administration. He said um, with the with, with the Obama administration, we were perhaps too prescriptive and, and we didn't take the community with us. It, what he's tried to do, I think I'm interpreting him correctly in the Biden administration and USDA, is, is to look at how do, how do they make it more voluntary? How do they enable the grower to, to be empowered to make the decision? And, and, and I think he was saying that, that that's unlocked um, the voluntary participation of growers because they've got that freedom. From what you're saying, I guess you would agree with them, Monica. Uh, uh, yeah, the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act included around $20 billion in funding for climate measures in agriculture. So that is a nice example that we, we, we would like to have something similar in, in, in Europe. So that because that will focus in Europe and US, they will focus more on expanding this regenerative agriculture. Here in, in Europe, we could we could uh, we, uh, aim for that, and also from green public procurement as well. That that also would be a nice opportunity. So products produced with regenerative agricultures uh, with the reduced carbon footprint will be procured by public institutions as well. That will promote because it's about it's a, we are talking about the huge transformation of the agriculture system. So we need all the actors, all the players in this value chain, the agri-food production, uh, being uh, rowing together. It's like rowing in the same direction on this. 
And that's a great point about um, about the green procurement. It, it, again, I, I happened to be at, at, at something in the in New York Climate Week a couple of weeks ago, um, where the, the lady responsible for procurement um, policy within the White House was was also saying that that's a huge demand pull. Actually, that a lever that could be pulled um, that would create additional demand for these kind of products coming out of agriculture. And and what I liked about about that and what you've just said is is that it's it's creating all the options, all the levers we can pull to um, to enable this to, to, to happen, because as you say, it is a, a fundamental systemic change is what we're, what we're talking about here. Yes, every market incentive uh, is needed and it, it should be a must have. This is what we need to reach in implementation breakthrough and accelerate the transformation. If I have a call to action is that, uh, because we need to go faster and we cannot lose the momentum. So, and there's no way that we can do it alone. So I, I just want to get go back to some of the, that you touched on on earlier, which I think is, is close to a lot of our, our hearts within the forum, is that is, is, is the, the hurdles that the grower has to overcome very, very practically. Again, in the inquiry that we've just run, we've, we've talked to, to probably 50 or 60 growers in some detail on both sides of the Atlantic, you know, they told us that everything ranges from, from access to education, information, advice, to how do they manage a yield drag, to how do they just get funding for, for different machinery or even cover crops that they might need um, to do this. But from your perspective, Monica, the farmers that you talk to, what, what are they telling you about the biggest obstacles to jump in into regenerative agriculture? First, yeah, um, first is uh, um, competence. So they, they need to know uh, what they can do and what, what they are going to be measured for and also incentivize. So, and then uh, when that, that is, is known, it's about how to apply these new practices. And of course, they will need uh, probably new machinery to do that. So where are they getting the funding from? And the funding from that can be throughout the value chain, but it's, I, in my view, should need also the public incentives on this. As we we, we were talking, on, we were talking on that. And uh, farmers need clarity. They we should not forget that they are the best, the first impacted by climate change. So, so they are the most interested on 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 making this happen. So, and helping them uh, to mitigate this climate uh, warming. Uh, so, the global warming. As uh, in some way, uh, I read recently global boiling. I think it was in your report. Global boiling, exactly. Yeah, reading in your in your report as well. So, so this it, is it's very scary. Just only this week we saw the 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 heaviest storms in in uh, happened in Greece already. So farmers need that. They need a clear guidance. They need agronomical advice, and they need uh, investment. We have also an advantage, also an opportunity that comes from digital market as well. Uh, so we can and the farmers can benefit about the, the digital tools that are being developed in order to be able for them to take the right decisions because it's amazing the number of data they have to manage, to manage all along the year in order to take the best 
decisions. And for that, we're working in Yara with that as well. So in order to uh, help them uh, to decide whether is the best uh, amount of fertilizer to be applied, depending on the different um, uh, situations and the, uh, the, how the, um, the plot uh, states are uh, and the unexpected yield as well. And farmers needs, as always, they aim to improve their yields. So they are not asking for nothing that is, uh, for anything that is granted. Mm -hmm. uh, they want to work, they want to incre increase their yield, and they want to be paid for that. It, it's, um, it, it, it strikes me, I mean, do you put it so simply and yet so powerfully at, at, at the end there. The, the, these are the things that, that matter to the grower, and and yet, yet somehow um, we've we've not always addressed that, perhaps in the in the right way from the from the grower perspective. And so, I, I really appreciate you putting that on the table. I, I also thought your point about data is a is is a powerful one, and and I'd just like to to, to share this with you and get your reaction um, as a follow up to the paper. We we ran a, a workshop a couple of weeks ago on on how you finance the transition. Um, and I should say, it, it's not just about financing the transition in terms of making it, but it's also sustaining that transition. And what, one of the things that we were looking at is there are all the financial institutions here, the, 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 the banks and the insurance companies and so forth. And, and one, of the big, um, one of the big blockers on, on their side, I mean, there's a number, but, but one of them is, is just how can they be sure that the sustainability pays, um, that, that it's that the farmer is going to improve the resilience of the of the farm that, that the yield won't drop and then they can they can price the risk how much is all that data that, that growers are now capturing how much do you think that that can play into enabling financial institutions to make better decisions perhaps on the on the lending or the insuring criteria yeah uh yes uh... Managing the risk is, uh, I think, it's the daily activity of every farmer. So, uh, and then uh, um, with the uh, and they need finance and the funding and also the insurance. Um, insurance are also in the last year. I don't have the numbers because I'm not in the sector, but uh, but uh, uh, since all the floodings and the drought consequences, uh, I think they have been also heavily impacted for, by that. So uh, and they they should also uh, rely on that improving the soil health and improving the the resilience of crops or better um, resistance to drought, for instance, could and even flooding will uh, will uh, help them uh, and then will help the sustainability in the future of the agricultural production. In Europe, so I'm not an expert on this uh, in these insurance things, but uh, what I, I, I if there is um, cert more certainty that we have today because it's about reducing the risk. So that is how I see it: uh, reducing the risk of the of the impact of flooding, the reducing the risk of the impact of drought by having healthier uh, soils, by having a more uh, the uh, biodiversity and the in the soils as well, so the plants can benefit of that and can be stronger uh, to, to resist these uh, these uh, uncontrollables from the climate. I think it will be of uh, of interest for those providing finance. 
well, certainly from from the ones that, that that we talk to again, part of the inquiry and on the on the backside in the um, in the workshop, um, being able to have that that data that that shows that the practices that growers are adopting are delivering real value, whether that can be monetized in the form of an incentive or actually contribute to healthier soils that produce better crops. Um, that's the kind of data that they're looking at, I think, and and will enable them to make um, better decisions on on how who to lend to how to lend and and probably more importantly at what rate they want to um to, to lend so um I, I i fully agree with your um your point there um monica as we we kind of come to the end of our our, our fascinating discussion um today maybe i just just conclude by by asking you what what yara's specific commitment is today on regenerative agriculture and and if I may, you know, where do you hope to be in, in 10 years time as we kind of turn the corner into the 2030s, which is, is often seen as, as the dividing line between whether or not we are successful, I suppose, in the climate challenge or not? Hmm. Uh, yes, our commitment is, uh, is clear, Mark. Regenerative agriculture is the way forward to decarbonize the food system and to make farming nature positive and resilient to climate shocks. Regenerative agriculture has the potential to be one of the key farming models of the future, and climate change is more and more impactful on the farming community. So we need to shift towards a farming model that becomes more resilient, that preserves more the health of the soil and its ecosystem as well. So what Yara wants is to play an active role in this change. Besides partnerships already concluded, we are currently in dialogue with several other stakeholders to develop more projects which aim uh, to reducing the um, environmental footprint of farming while preserving biodiversity and soil health without endangering farmers' economic viability. So this is a commitment today, looking into the future and also making the uh, Supporting the agriculture in Europe to be fit for that future. How we see ourselves is being part of uh, farmers' partners, I would say, as we have seen been in the past, by the way. So it's not a major change on that. So we will keep on being close to farmers uh, in order to reduce and become climate neutral in the production of food in Europe. Well, Monica, thank you very much indeed. I mean, a fascinating uh, conversation on on a topic that, that I think both of us um, are incredibly passionate about. I, I've really appreciated uh, the insights that you've um, that you shared with us. It, it is a systemic uh, approach, and it it needs all actors. And 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 Yara, of course, with the leadership role that you've played within that, um, is incredibly valuable to what I think we're all, all trying to do. So. Monica, thanks so much indeed for sparing the time and, and joining us on the show. It's uh, It's been a pleasure to talk to you. It's been a pleasure, Mark. Thank you very much for inviting me today. You've been listening to another edition of the Food Systems Podcast, brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. Join us again next time. <laughs>